this is a key diagram for this section. And on the worksheets, you'll actually see that out of the 85 slides we're covering today, it's the main diagram in the middle because it's so key to understand this concept. Um, this is like the choke point type concept in terms of it being a million dollar value. <clears throat> this functions in many different ways, but basically we're saying that when someone invests with you at the bottom of the funnel, um, that's when it's most productive because you got something done and they put capital with you. Leading up to that, there's many different ways they could have heard of you, first gained trust with you, got value from you, um, and it, it grows your, your reputation. So the best thing to have happen is that you contact somebody and you stumble into them at an event, and then by chance, their bo your book is on their bookshelf. They were reading your book right now um, because they, they already know you, or they reach out to you because they've consumed your materials, and now they're pre-qualified and pre-motivated to work with you because they know what you do, and they already got value from you, so they feel very comfortable doing business. It doesn't matter if you have the best deal in the world. If I'm walking through the airport and then someone stops you and kind of grabs your arm and says, hey, do you want to invest in my self-storage deal? You're going to brush them off and say, you know, get away from me. I, I, you know, who are you, right? There's no context to that at all. It doesn't matter what they're offering, really. They're like, oh, you want you know, cleaning service for your house? And it's like, oh, I'm not, I didn't ask for that, you know? Uh, but if you have a migraine and you're reaching out and trying to find Excedrin in the world and you find someone who's adding value on storage investing or health concierge, et cetera, and you read top 10 tips on selecting your health concierge solution or top 10 tips to become a health concierge physician and not a uh, hospital drone doctor, you know, is just like working for the machine. Uh, then they come in through that funnel and they get to know you uh, and it de-risks the transaction. Uh, every investor cares more about trusting you and knowing that you're honest and aligned with who they are than they care about your returns. People who have no experience run around saying, I've got the best deal in the world. You'll never find a deal better than this. Usually the actual deal is pretty bad if they're uh, so new to say things like that. They actually don't even have good enough deal flow to know what a good deal is. But beyond that, they don't have enough experience to know who you are and how you communicate with them and knowing kind of like the laws of just being, you know, building goodwill and, and adding value to other people, you don't promise, you know, the moon, uh, you promise the barn. And if you hit the moon and you hit the stars then great, but if you promise the whole world, how are you going to over deliver? You're setting yourself up, you're over promising. Uh, and that's, that spells amateur hour for investors who know what they're doing. So you want to de-risk that as much as you can. The cool thing is you could do just one piece of this funnel and get $100 million of asset center management or raise all the capital you need just by doing one piece of this. You could also ignore everything I say today and raise all the capital you need. But I found that this works and this is the way that we've been able to attract investors. Uh, and basically what I found is that if you do this easiest part at the very top, that is just being interviewed on a podcast or doing an interview via email, it's super easy. It takes no pressure. It doesn't take a ton of de a depth of expertise. Pretty easy for people to do. It's also easy to consume. It takes five minutes to consume, 10 minutes, et cetera. There's no big investment from either side. It's a low value transaction of transfer of knowledge. Um, and because of that, you'll have the most people typically at the top of the funnel. You might have 500 people a year at the top or 5,000 or 50,000 people that read your articles or hear your interviews. We. Um, own 50% of the Capital Razor Show podcast, which is a podcast where they've interviewed 200 experts. Uh, Ruben Grath is the founder of that, but now we're 50-50 partners, and he's had over 1 million downloads of his Capital Razor Show podcast. So he has a big funnel at the top, right? Um, the next level down is white papers, reports, surveys. These are harder to create. They cost a little bit more of your time to create it. They take more people's time to read it. Who wants to read an eight-page white paper 
on becoming a concierge doctor and not working for the evil hospital system or like an eight-page white paper on how to vet self-storage deals and invest in them for passive income or invest into operating businesses with free cash flow and read an eight-page white paper on that if you weren't interested at all. Who would get to page seven of that thing and not be qualified, right? So you want to have a call to action at the end of that, of course. And so you're filtering down. The person on planet Earth who cares to write a 22-page white paper or cares to write a book on a really little niche topic um, goes down greatly because it took so much of your time. You must have some level of expertise or you wouldn't have created that asset. And if you've read the whole thing, you probably are pretty well qualified and interested. Next level down is writing a book. Uh, nine, there's something like 90% plus of people would like to write a book one day, but less than 2% of people have ever written a book. That number is changing because nowadays it's like relatively easy to write a book or outsource it and someone will write you know, a half junky book for you real quick. Uh, so that is getting easier and easier to do, but it still takes more work and less people have done it. Giving speeches on stage live within networks, less people do. And then doing uh, recorded meetings uh, with people one-on-one, et cetera, as the next qualified and then they invest, right? So the point of explaining all of that um, is that if you only do the articles and the easy stuff like the podcast and stuff and you do that, you could be fine. We have someone in our network in the family office club that's raised over $150 million from over 1,000 accredited investors. He just has a radio show on AM radio once a week in California, and that's all he did, and he raised $150 million. He did that for eight years, but that he didn't do the whole funnel. Uh, he just did that one piece. There's another one I know that just had a podcast. After seven years doing the podcast, he turned it into a book. But most of his progress comes from the podcast. And now he manages over $500 million in assets uh, with his partners. I don't know his exact equity stakes on those different ones, but he's had massive, massive success on that. Um, but if you build out the articles and do simple interviews, then you can just simply take 10 of those articles and create a white paper very easily. And if you have seven white papers, you could turn that into a book, and those could be chapters of a book, especially if you're intentional about it from the beginning. Never write about stuff that no one's going to care about in a year or two, right? If you're writing about how, oh, interest rates, that's what's happening right now. It's like, okay, well, you know, four weeks later, now no one cares about what you wrote. Then you just, that's just totally wasted time. You want to write about best practices and things that are evergreen content that will be valuable 5, 10, 12 years from now. Otherwise, me writing this book on single family offices over a decade ago would not be valuable. And I don't think there's less than 1% or 2% of things in here that are now totally irrelevant and don't matter at all. Um, so you want to understand that by doing parts of this, the other parts get way easier. If you give speeches, you can transcribe that into your book, etc. And they also stack on each other, and people um, will flow between them in different orders. They might read an article and then invest money without ever talking to you uh, or talking to you once. We had one family worth $400 million who listened to our podcast, and then he put us on a $7,000 a month retainer while I was tra- traveling in another country to help him create his family office and do deals with him, and he had never met us in person. He said, well, based, uh, based on the book you wrote and the podcast, you know, uh, we're comfortable working together, so let's get going. We want to get going right away. Uh, we had another client who paid $25,000 for a workshop uh, in person uh, in Chicago on how to create a family office, and he got our book for free from our website and got the paperback version for $8. He said he got the exact same value, if not more, from the book, so he engaged with us to work one-on-one instead of working further with the other company. So people can bounce. Some people might go through every single stage. Some might uh, go from here straight to investing. Some might stay in here for eternity and never do anything with you. That's fine. It doesn't cost you anything but that one time to create the resource. And then some will not even know any of this exists and their friend will refer them uh, over to you and they'll say, oh, well, why should I meet with this guy? And be like, well, um, he obviously knows what he's doing. I've been to his event. I've read this. I got a lot of value from that. 
and I think you can trust him to put your capital to work with him, et cetera. And because of the funnel, you have more credibility and influence. When you go give a speech, you can give out your book to everybody in the room at the conference, whether it's 1,000 people or 500 people. When you have a great investor meeting, you could ship them a white paper or drip on them a monthly newsletter or send them a link to a podcast or transcribe your webinar and send it to them. So there's all different ways to use this to drip on people and suck people into the funnel. And the cool thing is, like, let's say that you just do not a stellar job of building this out or just getting more people into the top of your funnel. And you do all the work of creating all the pieces. Your absolute worst case scenario, as long as you focused on a sandbox and an investor avatar that you know are right and you're excited to dominate, your worst case scenario is that you're more articulate, more connected, and at every single meeting you have instant credibility when you show up with all those materials and you can follow up with people with them. That's your worst case scenario. And that will still help you convert people. If you do it right, it'll help bring people into your funnel, will help win over referrals, and will help get cold calls coming into you, um, like the $100 million net worth family in California I talked about this morning. The dad, I guess, likes YouTube, and he had watched like all of my YouTube channels and subscribed to the YouTube channels, and he's like a 65-year-old uh, import expert. And for some reason, really got latched onto the YouTube, and then that was the thing that made him reach out. And now they're engaged with us, and uh, we're closing our second transaction uh, with them now. So, any questions about this? Because um, it, when you do this over a period of time, um, it just adds great momentum. And Jeffrey Gittimer really changed my life in one of his books. And this was before I had a business, before I had written a book, before I even knew the word family office existed. And it's a perfect example of me telling you something today. And I hope 10 years later, you say, hey, I used one of those ideas from your workshop back in 2022. And it just made me a bunch of money, so thank you. Uh, Jeffrey Gettimer told me in his book, he said, I've got 10 best-selling books. I went from making 50,000 a year selling sports equipment to making a million a year running my business, a million in profits. And this is my secret. In one sentence, I'll tell you my secret. And all my competitors can read my secret. And they could copy it. But they're all too, you know, he said, lazy too. And I know you probably won't implement this secret either because you're probably too lazy to, but I'm gonna tell it to you. And so I, I told myself, whatever he's about to say, I'm gonna do it because he just told me I'm not gonna do it. So, uh, and I didn't do it for years, but what he said was that if you find a target audience and you get in front of them once a week and try to give value to them, some piece of content that adds value to them, you do that once a week for one to two years, you'll be a local expert. If you do that over three to four years, you'll be a regional expert. If you do that over five to seven years, you'll be a global expert on that little topic because nobody wants to do that. And he did that with sales, and he was a sales trainer. And he just had in Charlotte, North Carolina, he had a article, an editorial article in a newspaper. And it was just in one column in one newspaper. And they started getting inquiries. And he said, oh, okay, I guess I can coach people on sales and not just sell my sports equipment, et cetera. It grew from there, and his articles started getting syndicated in 178 different newspapers weekly. He started his eZine email newsletter. He started writing books and getting publishing deals and grew a big platform off of adding that value first. So when I heard that, I said, oh, well, I'm the SLB is going to do what he said, because he said I'm not going to. And then I didn't do anything um, in the family office space for years, but I did write a book during my MBA program on negotiation and game theory and systems thinking that I don't think more than like four people have ever read. Um, you know, so don't, don't try to find it, please. It's not good. But it, uh, taught me, it taught me to like produce thought leadership and to start working on this. And then when I found the family office industry and I was running the blog, it all kind of synced up. And I said, oh, this is exactly what he said I should do. And I just implemented it the last 15 years. You know, Einstein, when he won the Nobel Prize, a journalist said, oh, you must be so proud you discovered relativity. He said, no, when I was an infant, people were studying relativity. But I studied nothing else for 15 years, and that's why I solved it. 
So it was me doing this for 15 years that leads to competitive advantage. Um, but we got a lot of momentum after just two, three, four, five years. And I had to stumble through the darkness, kind of taking all this advice from other industries and taking it to the investment industry. And now I'm telling you, because I don't compete against you directly, none of you have the same business model as me, like, hey, here's the shortcuts, here's what not to do, here's a practical insight, here's a model, here's what we did last month, here's what we did last year, so you can do it much faster than 15 years. Maybe you can do what I did in 15 years and three years or two years uh, within your niche and not make some of the same mistakes I made and leverage some of our feedback along the way that we had to kind of figure out. So we use a lot of video content. Any, any questions on this before I move forward? Yeah. yeah, go ahead, we'll bring up the mic to you. As we bring the mic up, the other thing is that your intent might be this money-focused intent of like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to raise $20 million. The side effect, even if that's your intent, is you're going to become a much deeper expert and you'll have a much better network and get much better deal flow because now you're connected to everyone and people say, oh, I know you. You're the person who runs that big Facebook group or that spoke at the conference last year. So go ahead. So, so th this is a lot of work. Right. Um, yep. So that's why nobody does it. Yeah. Well, no, but it's worth doing it. So, right. so I mean, I'm afraid of what I think I know what you're going to say, respond with, but like, what's a good budget or commitment on a weekly or monthly or whatever basis to set this up? You gave those two, three, and five, six year things, yeah. right? Um, I started with zero budget. So, um, you know, you have to start with what you have to be practical, right? And I remember one time in Europe, someone asked me, oh, well, how do I fit this in? And I told him, like, oh, drink more coffee and just do it. Like, stop whining about it, right? Everyone's busy, right? Every, it doesn't matter what your job is. Everyone complains, oh, I'm so busy, right? Uh, but that's not really the answer. The answer is that some things you're doing right now are not working or you wouldn't have time to be in this room because you're closing so many transactions per week and you have so much money flowing in that you don't have time to get on any airplane or come to any meeting unless it's with one of your top investors. And, it, and that includes me, right? If we had raised $550 million this year, uh, would I be here? Maybe I'd make everyone fly to Scottsdale and say, if you don't want to fly here, well, I'm not going to go fly around and host these workshops, right? So I'm still learning as well. Um, so it's just about the iteration of that over time and just starting wherever you're at. One rule of thumb is just to think about if you're raising, um, you know, let's say $100 million, what's a practical amount to spend so that you raise that $100 million faster? Because you could just raise $101 million and now the market didn't cost anything. You just raised a little bit of extra money. So is it 1% of your raising capital for? Is it 0.1%? Do you want to spend just hundred k on your marketing materials to raise $100 million? Some people don't even spend that and they're so cheap on their materials. They don't want to spend 0.1% of what they're raising capital for. In the nonprofit world, I grew up around my dad raising a billion dollars for hospital, hospitals and universities, and he would take me to those business meetings. And in a capital campaign for a university or a church or a museum or a hospital, they will budget you know, 10, 15% of the capital raise for staff, marketing, events, et cetera. I don't know the exact budget for just the materials or just the logo design, but um, you can raise the capital faster with less pain and suffering if you have a great structure and a great positioning and you come off clean and credible to more investors, right? You'll convert more people. 